off and turn it back on. That was my first lesson in IT, and I was like, you guys are just so brilliant. All you did was turn it off and turn it back on. When all else fails, reboot. <laughs> then make sure it's all plugged in. Welcome to 50% with Marcel Combs, my good friend and mentor. I'm Deantha Gratton, and on this podcast, she will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today. What do you think? Hello, Deantha. Hi, Marcel. What are we doing today? I don't know. Who do we have with us today? Uh, We have Dr. Shackleton. Dr. Shackleton, she is a naturopathic doctor. I know, we've had an interest. I think so. Uh, Say that three times and (laughs) then you'll jump off the cliff. (laughs) She does so many great things Mm -hmm. in preventative type medicine, Yes, which of course can be controversial. (laughs) As we know, yeah. Um, As we know, but I like the thought that we might have some control what happened to us. She just written a new mm-hmm. book called Preconception Cleanse and trying to get women to get their bodies as healthy as possible mm-hmm. prior to getting pregnant. Yeah, it seems to be a real focus for her. And she talks a little bit about autism. You know, mm-hmm. we know that's pretty mm-hmm. prevalent. And uh, she wants us to be well. Yes. Uh, I mean, she says our body is amazing and it heals itself. If we let it. I love <laughs> if that. If we, yeah. probably not with yeah. my diet, Dr. Pepper. Yeah, but, well, you might have to give those uh, up. Maybe so. <laughs> maybe I won't go see her. Um, anyway, but I, I think that the audience will enjoy what she has to say. Yes. And let's go to Dr. Shackleton. Okay. Welcome, Mary, to 50% with Marcel Combs. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you for having me. Great to meet you in person. You're actually Dr. Mary Shackleton. Mm-hmm. And so I would love for the audience to hear about your journey. I guess, um, you know, the connection that you and I might have in common is really supporting women. So I'll start there. Um, uh-huh. I um, did an informal pediatric resident residency right out of med school and I wanted to treat kids and I started that in my practice. And then I realized, you know, in order to treat kids, well, you got to treat the mom. And so <laughs> I started really treating, you know, focusing on women's health and it was really delightful to uh, support women so they could be better mothers and make it through their challenging lives and um, started doing a lot of hormone replacement. This was in, you know, the early 2000s and um, when it wasn't really a thing. And um, th- no matter what I did for certain women, I, there were some barriers. I couldn't figure out exactly why we couldn't get them all the way well. And that really drives me crazy. So I started looking at other causes for dysfunction and disease and really discovered this link between environmental toxicity and women's health, specifically with hormones, fertility, and then the health of their babies, their future generations was really impacted by this. So that's the focus of my practice now really is environmental medicine and um, fertility. And I uh, just wrote a book about uh, teaching women how to detox before they conceive so that they have a reduced risk of having a baby on the autism spectrum. And that really kind of came about when I realized that a lot of women are struggling with brain fog in their forties and fifties, which is kind of different than it used to be in the early days of my practice. So I still really focus on women's health, but 
want to work upstream and help women before they conceive so that the, the future generation has better neurologic health. It's interesting because I guess when I look at um, this this latest generation that's being born, that rate of autism is huge. Um, One in 36. Wow. And that, you know, people will argue that that's because we have better diagnostics and it's really, truly an increased incidence mm-hmm. of the disorder. And, yeah. you know, with that goes so much care and um services needed uh-huh. to help that family. And, you know, like I, I, one woman um, on my Instagram was um, arguing with, with me about autism being okay. And I said, sure, it's okay. And yeah. now we have a lot of tools to treat it, but right. would you use it? <laughs> like if right. we can prevent it, I have a master's in public health. And so part of that is prevention oriented. And uh-huh. so if we can prevent it, why wouldn't we? Right. And now I know that we have the tools and we understand it a lot better. And, um, you know, nobody's really talking about prevention of autism. Uh-huh. They're talking uh-huh. about treatment now. Right. And so I want to advance that discussion and, and really support women and knowing they, they actually have a lot of, they have a lot of their, it, it that's voluntary for them to do, to change uh-huh. their potential outcome. Yeah. And the name of your book is Preconception Cleanse. Mm-hmm, it is. Detoxify your life on the inside and out for the optimal health of your baby. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me, I mean, how do people end up in, you're in Boulder, Colorado, which I is am. not necessarily the easiest place on this earth to get to. Okay. How, how do when I assume you're treating women from all over the country, how do people end up with you in Boulder? Such a good question. I would say that the kind of the typical patient of mine is one interested in their health and well-being, of course. Uh-huh. Um, but the majority of patients come when they have failed all kinds of conventional treatments. They don't feel well. They're actually quite uh-huh. ill and um, they have a medical mystery on their hands. So I love that. And it usually comes down to some type of exposure, some type of infection and some imbalance as a result of that. So um that's kind of the typical patient has seen 20 patients before she or he gets to me. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I love decoding, you know, people that have been sick for a long time. They've, they've seen numerous providers. They don't have answers. That's my favorite patient. Mm-hmm. And you said men too. Um, sure. And mm-hmm. so I, when I read your bio, I think you're just treating young women, but mm-hmm. are you treating all ages and all yes. genders? Yes, all genders and all ages. I would say male, probably 35%. Uh-huh. Um, women are the gatekeepers of health for their families and for themselves. And so they are the more likely ones to seek help and they will often force their husband to come in. But, you know, more men are showing up. And I, I have other providers here in the clinic. And so we do have a lot of men in this practice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. so does that, do, are you finding results with fertility in what you're doing mm-hmm. Um, yes. Because, you know, the standard treatment is put them on Clomid or some kind of Clomid drug. I actually right. know a young woman who's in her 20s that they've just put on some fertility drugs. Yeah. So that's kind of what I love to do. I think, you know, the fertility world is exploding right now because women are having a difficult time. And I believe that one of the biggest barriers is the unseen toxic load. And you just think about, you know, our bodies are extremely intelligent. And if we have an environment that is full of toxins, why would an egg 
feel comfortable in that environment. And so it damages membranes, exposure to toxins damage the membrane of the eggs. And it also in particular damages the way our brain communicates to our ovaries for ovulation. And so all of that is treatable. And the fertility specialist may not tell you that because they probably don't know. They're just treating no. the downstream effects of this. Like, let's just get you pregnant. Let's let's whip those ovaries and make sure you make a lot of eggs and then we'll harvest them. <laughs> but, then, you know, male sperm is also an issue. And so the male yeah. factor in fertility is also largely ignored. And so, again, it's not um, too difficult to figure out how to help women in this area, but it's unusual for women to think about that. So they mm -hmm. go straight to the fertility specialist without thinking, let me just think about my entire health picture and where could there be an obstacle? And that's where I love to come in. We live in this world. And, and of course, if you became a physician in the early 2000s, you, you were not such an anomaly, but I, I would still say there's, there's probably quite the, the scale is tipped still much more in the male dominated world. And then you pick a field that is somewhat controversial for the whole medical group in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've gotten better as far as nutrition and those kind of things, but still. Yeah, I would say they're tolerating it. <laughs> yes. their, their level of understanding hasn't changed, but mm. it's, it's a consumer driven change. So right people want this. And uh -huh. that has really changed in the last 25 years greatly that, you know, people are seeing that conventional medicine can only take them so far. They look for answers. The hard part is, you know, I always want people to find good providers that have good training. And there's a lot of people out there that may not have, you know, they may not be board certified. They may not have a medical degree. They may, you know, have less experience. And so that, I think that's the challenge for the consumer is trying to find the right provider. I can honestly say this. I've had thyroid cancer and now mm. I've had breast cancer, oh. fortunately with both. And I've had every genetic study known to man. And fortunately both were caught really early, yeah. but I know that especially thyroid cancer is exploding in women. Mm -hmm. uh, now, again, there'd be a lot of docs who would say we are picking that up early, just like you said, with autism. But it, it is a challenge, even in an area, because I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which is a huge metropolitan area, to find, if you want to look at alternative treatments, you have this sea of people, and it's it's really hard to find someone you might think is reputable. So how, if you were a consumer mm -hmm. looking for docs in your area, or treatment centers in your area where, what, what bars would you look at That's to try to question. evaluate that? Great question. I think, well, first of all, I'm a naturopathic physician. And so I'm partial to the naturopathic world because our training, our paradigm is always to find the cause. And so, you know, with thyroid cancer and breast cancer, those are largely environmental diseases. So those are both, both of those organs and tissues are very sensitive to environmental exposure of toxins. So a naturopathic physician knows how to identify that and remove that obstacle. And so I'm, and you can find that um, a local provider potentially on naturopathic.org. And that's the national association of naturopathic physicians. So you can, there's a location search on there and naturopaths are not licensed in every state. So, you mm -hmm. know, 
knowing that you can reach one online is probably helpful. And if you're in a state where they're licensed, you'll have several to choose from most likely. And second to that, if somebody is a medical doctor and they have done training with the Institute of Functional Medicine, or they call them a functional medicine doctor, they are going to know a little bit more than um, a conventionally trained medical doctor. So they have, you know, on their own, educated themselves about alternative and integrative treatments. And so, you know, you'll just have to find one that has the right amount of experience. Mm-hmm. It, it is a, a hard thing. Um, so, and I'm a nurse by background, so oh. I, I believe in Western medicine, but I also think there's a whole lot of things that we can do to prevent or at least help our body fight more mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you were, um, you know, in your young self, um, and when you were a little girl, did you say, did you throw the dart at the wall and say, I want to be a physician when I grow up? Or? No, I actually was pre-med and I, I never thought I would end there and it didn't feel right to me at the time. And at the time I didn't know about naturopathic medicine. So I got a master's in public health thinking that I would work more on the policy side. And that was not a good fit for me. Um, and so I literally bumped into naturopathic medicine. I didn't know it existed. So if I knew it existed, that's what I would have aimed for. But I'm really glad that it found me because it's been <laughs> a really great career for me. And I have enjoyed going to work every single day. And um, I love working with people. And I love, I'm fascinated by the body, fascinated by what it can do. And I've seen, you know, amazing turnarounds for patients. The body mm-hmm. definitely wants to heal you just have to figure out what it needs and what's in the way. And that to me is so fun. Uh, that's always the struggle. You know, when I look at this, of course, I have a lot of children in this millennial group. But uh, when I look at them, I see them do a lot of this detox. And sometimes I look at it and I think, I think that was the fad diet of the 70s. But how how would a person distinguish true detox from mm-hmm. some of the things that are just out there that says, you know, do this and, and we'll, you'll be detoxed. Right. That's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked that. So kind of maybe the first thing to distinguish is a cleanse versus a detox. A cleanse is the temporary removal of something, alcohol, caffeine, sugar, whatever. And it's usually short. And so I'm going to do a cleanse for seven days or two weeks or something. And then people will often go back to their typical habits. And so a cleanse can make you feel a little lighter, can help you feel, maybe remove a skin rash or a digestive issue or something like that. But typically a cleanse doesn't institute many permanent changes. So detoxification is a couple things. One is um, living a life of detoxification where you are permanently focused on getting enough nutrients um, and avoiding exposures, the elimination of toxins. And then the other part of detoxification is actually identifying what might be um, stored, total toxic load of heavy metals, of environmental pollutants, of pesticides, agricultural chemicals. Those things um, do accumulate in our body and some of us can excrete them better than others. And so, you know, knowing what you're doing with detox, again, a seven day detox doesn't move the needle very far. So living that way and then also knowing exactly what you're detoxing. Living the life of detoxification is number one, avoiding exposure. Number two, knowing how to eliminate it. And that can be done with sweating. You know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to check yourself into a center, but making sure you're sweating, making sure you're moving, making sure you're drinking enough water, making sure you're having a bowel movement every day. is really critical. 
um, all of those things support detoxification. We're designed to detox in many different ways, not just our liver. And so if we're living healthy lives, then our body will naturally detox pretty well. There are some genetic issues that impair detoxification and those I test, but for the majority of people, if you're living this way, your detox pathways are open and you're excreting and you're at reduced risk of illness. I live in the land of allergies, let's just mm -hmm. say that. And right mm -hmm. now, particularly, it's hazy outside and, you know, we have a lot of pollen in the air. Mm -hmm. um, so, so how do you get, I mean, I understand the detoxification where you're sweating or drinking or, you know, uh, flushing. But, you know, how do you live in the world and still manage this kind of lifestyle? That's a great, great question. And I think what you're saying is allergies, allergies indicate a loss of immune tolerance to your surroundings. And allergies are more and more common, but they're not normal. I think we confuse those two things. So they're common, but not normal. And so that is a manifestation of immune challenge, usually from being in the world. And the world is toxic and we are bombarded <laughs> And, you know, like the more we talk about this, it can get a little depressing, but I'm such an optimist because I also <laughs> trust that, you know, God didn't put us here on this planet to just be walking toxic, you know, you know, people, yeah, yeah. radioactive people. And That's so, right. you know, so really, I mean, if I think about, and I think this is your question is how do we live in this toxic world? Right. And it is, you know, being aware. And so, you know, I'm watching my own kids that are in their twenties on Instagram and buying products and they know better, you know, so there's, <laughs> there's ways to test, you know, there's all these apps these days. My, one of my favorite apps is called Yucca. Yucca can scan a barcode and tell you if it's safe or not. And so one big piece of this is not putting stuff in your bathroom or in your home that's contributing to the problem. So there are safe cosmetics. There are safe natural cleaners. That's a big step. If people just bite that off in one year, that's enormous. It reduces oh. your risk dramatically. The environmental toxins is a different matter. So those are a little bit more, you know, we have voluntary and involuntary exposures. And so the stuff that we're exposed to involuntarily or stuff that's in the air and the water and the food, yeah. we can make good choices about that with air filters and water filters and choosing organic foods. If you have those, you know, if those are accessible to you. Uh -huh. and they're not available to everyone. So you got to do better in the other areas. Mm -hmm. So it's kind yeah. of like a pie chart, you know. Yeah, I noticed on your bio that you're a big gardener. Mm -hmm. And so is that step one, if they have the ability to do that? Well, yeah, that's a big thing? one. You know, that's a big one. I mean, number one, gardening, you know, have you heard about blue zones? Blue zones are, there are five blue zones in the world. The blue zones are where people live to be over 100 and yeah. in, in greater number. And so the blue zone is, the characteristics of a blue zone is that people grow their own food, their feet, you know, their hands are in the soil and they're connecting, they have a spiritual life and they connect with their community. Those are some key features, but growing a garden is not um, possible for everyone. If you can grow a little garden or a container garden, it gives you respect for food grow, you know, how food grows and how difficult it is for farmers to produce food and all of that's super important and connects you to the nature, which I think, you know, a lot of disease and disability is the result of, being disconnected from nature. So I, I, if you can grow a garden and if you are motivated to do it, absolutely. The, the benefits are enormous in a number of ways. And if not, then supporting your local farmer, if you have those is probably the next yeah. best. Yeah. 
fortunately, in Texas, we have a lot of opportunity for that. Now, maybe Houston might be a little bit harder <laughs> in the middle of Dallas might be, but still, mm-hmm. um, we have a lot of access to that today. And good weather. Like, you've got good growing season there. Oh, we do. Mm-hmm. We do. We have a shorter one yeah. where you are. Yes. yes. So... When you look at this, and if you were going to look at your career, how, how do you define success? It's got to be way encouraging and then some days so depressing. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I feel like success is that I do love what I do. And I have a successful practice in terms of, you know, 25 years in business as a female-owned business. And um, I feel like that has been very successful. And I feel like I'm an innovator in my field. And that feels like a success as well. And there's risks, you know, every time you have a business, there's a lot of risk and you can't be adverse to that. And so failure is a part of any business at some point. And so I've embraced all of that and I'm kind of tired of it. I'm tired of learning lessons. (laughs) Um, And then there's the success with getting patients well. And I will say, you know, I never give up and, um, and I persist until we have answers. And so that is very gratifying to me. And I consider that successful as well. That's great. So, I mean, I, I think, um, I think what you're doing is remarkable. Uh, have you had mentors along the way? Have you had people who encouraged you or people you look to, to try to, you know, say what, uh, encouraged you not only in business, but, you know, just in this field? I don't know if I can, I mean, I would say that the older naturopathic generation, so the people that are maybe 20 years older than me, have always been an inspiration because they live this and to look at them, they look 20 years younger than their peers. And to me, that says it all, like the way you live impacts how you age and what, what befalls you. And so I was particularly inspired by a couple of my mentors who are a couple you know, a couple decades older than me and really adhering to naturopathic practices, which is, you know, it's not always easy. You know, you know, our (laughs) culture is designed to get, a pill for every ill and really educating people that, you know, you got to take the time to heal and then you won't have to deal with this again. It'll be gone if you do it right. Yeah. And so, um, I, I have been pretty self-motivated in my career and, um, yeah, I, I am inspired by people who are, um, doing some similar work in the field for sure. I would yeah. say, yes. And as you've done this as a female business owner, I know it can, <laughs> it's the taxes and the profit oh, and loss. I mean, it, it, when you look, and employees, when you look back on this life, is there anything, are there any um, mistakes or challenges or things you think, if I was going to start all over, what exactly would I do differently? That's such a good question. The first thing that comes to mind, I would probably work for somebody else rather than run my own business because it was challenging when my kids were little and I was really committed Uh to being their mom. And so, and I'm also really committed to being good at my job. And so, um, I, uh, it's not an, it's not like a nine to five job. You know, you're constantly researching and connecting with other physicians and trying to figure out how to get this person what they need. And, um, and there's also not one stop, like there's no cookbook approach. Everybody's different. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't ever get boring. It's not like we're treating strep throat. So I would say, uh, if I had it to do over, I might do that just in the interest of being a mom. Um, I, I managed to work part-time and be a mom, but, um, you know, as you know, it's 
a mom is a full-time job and a job is a full-time job. Exactly. Uh, do you have any mm -hmm. pearls of wisdom on how you uh, blend those two lives? I like that word better than balance because blend means someone, you know, one or the other always wins. And anyone who doesn't tell you that's really not telling you the truth. Um, so do you have any tidbits on how to do that? I would say the most important thing is to just be graceful with yourself um, because, and, and let go of perfection. There's no such thing as perfection. And that is the driver of misery, if you ask me. And so, you know, just knowing that you're doing a really good job is a lot. And in both areas, at home and with um, running a business um, and seeing the patients. So I've had to give myself a ton of grace around um, perfection and letting go of that. And that I think has been healing for me also to, to just let it go. I mean, that drove me crazy for the first many years and then wasn't worth it in the end. And I'm still, I still consider my story pretty successful. Yeah. So. It seems like it very much. So, mm -hmm. so what mm -hmm. inspires you today to do, you know, what, what is the, the problem you haven't solved or the answer you're still looking for? What, what makes you, you've successfully raised your children. What makes you get up in the morning and say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, going to do this again with passion? That's such a good question. I feel like, you know, this book was published in January. Mm -hmm. And while I don't, you know, I don't have a fertility practice, so to speak, I treat a lot of things, but my goal is I, I am driven by helping people understand how to live well. And, um, I feel like this fertility piece has a huge impact on families and future generations, if babies are not exposed in utero to the toxins, their neurologic development is better. And I feel like that just feels enormous to me. Mm -hmm. You know, like if we can interrupt this one in 36 children having autism, because autism is a spectrum. There's, right. you know, there's all kinds of manifestations. It's ADD, it's anxiety, it's hearing loss. It's all of these things. So if we can, if we can put a dent in that and women can have empowerment around choices, that feels huge yeah. to me. So I feel like the next chapter for me is really getting this book in the hands of as many women as possible. Uh -huh. That's, you know, that that's great, great thoughts. Um, it is. And as we've seen women wait later to have babies, um, right. that, you know, it, it compounds a lot of things, even if you're just looking at exposure to lots of other Correct. things. So, right. um, you know, I always try to like sum up a little bit about with what you're listening to or what you're reading or, um, you know, what are your favorite books? If, if people were going to listen to this and say, uh, Dr. Shackleton, what, what is it that you found most impactful? Um, well, I will say this is a bit of a weird thing, but this is what I'm into right now. And, and it, it resonates with patients. That's why I'm saying it. Um, I really like the medical mediums books and he is kind of an anomaly, but he's written a lot of books. He doesn't have a clinical background. What he says is actually very clinically accurate from my standpoint. And he's really about using food to heal. 
and he makes it very easily easily understandable for patients and he has these guides he's got a liver rescue book he's got a brain saver book he's got these enormous books with so much information that are very patient friendly so i love those i love to make those recommendations even though he's not a medical doctor he's not a naturopathic doctor what he says is clinically accurate and i feel like they those books have healed patients for sure and so and everybody can find medical those. medium medical medium mm -hmm. he's written one called liver rescue which i love and the brain saver book i love and he's really about um you know reducing your total toxic load and doing this mostly through food which i think you know everybody can wrap their head around that yeah. and prevention is a big one and so if i had one book to say i mean i have too many books but those that's the first one that came to mind <laughs> well and of course the second one if they're trying to get pregnant is your book right yeah right yeah absolutely so even if you're not trying to get pregnant uh, my goal is to help change the paradigm around um conception so women will often come and say i want to get pregnant next next month and i want to do a detox i'm like hold on you got all of the toxins from your great grandmother <laughs> went to your grandmother to you so this vertical transmission we have to stop it now and so we need time we need time for that. So women need to really start thinking about, okay, I want to conceive in the next several years and I want to start reducing my total toxic load. So for women that want to get pregnant, for sure, for men that eventually want to have a baby, this book is good for them. And then for people who um, are in between pregnancies, it's still a great book. Or for anybody that has a baby that's already on the spectrum, great book. That's it's a very how-to guide. Advice. So how, how can people get in touch with you? Well, uh, Dr. Mary Shackleton is my Instagram handle, um, and that's probably the best way. And, you know, my clinic is called Holistica Integrative Care in Boulder. If you just type in my name, it'll come up. Okay. Well, it's been a delight to have you this morning, and uh, I thank you for all that you're doing for fighting the good fight and, you know, taking care of patients and trying to really help them prevent things instead of just treat them once they're there. So with that, right. I just thank you for being on 50% with Marcel Combs this morning. Thanks so much, Marcel. Take care.